0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
1: Mastodon's very own Brent Hans is known for being a riff machine, but now he has taken on the fast food world. I love my favorite things about horse meat are how you can quarter them up into millions of types of sausage. Put on a pair of fruit boots and roll on down to Brent Hans' Animal Dicks and Shakes drive through.
0: Animal Dicks and Shakes. Mm.
1: We offer all kinds of succulent dishes that you won't find in any other fast food restaurant, like rat soup and scorpion dick salad.
2: It felt good, because I was uh, doing, a well, I, I, I lacerated my penis in half, and I was shocking my prostate with electricity. It
1: felt great. Made with 100% USDA Kobe beef. Ah! And don't forget the world famous cottage cheese and goat taint milkshakes made with vanilla bean ice cream and fresh strawberries. We sell angel dust out of a gray
2: van in the back, too. I, I broke my leg on purpose with a hammer to get more pain pills and to start a fashion like, like, resurgence of Mad Max, like, knee braces and like missing arms and shit, you know? Mm.
1: Here at Brett Hans Animal Dicks and Shakes drive Through, nothing makes sense, but it's American, and being American is awesome. Let's talk pussy and play racquetball. Brent Hans Animal Dixon Shakes drive Through. It tastes good. <laughs>
0: This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn
1: and Petter Speich. Yay! Yes, sir! Yay. What's going on, guys? Metal Sucks Podcast back again. I'm your co-host, Brandon Hahn. I'm always joined by my other co-host. Petter Spych, and we will not be talking about pussy and racquetball. T- not today, anyway. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of pussy and racquetball talk that's going to be taking place in the you, future on this podcast. You totally killed that song way too quick again. I did. Did you feel it? Yes, like, I like let
3: it. Can you just slowly move the finger down on the uh, on the fader there?
1: Well, I think it's just because I only had like 30 seconds of the song on there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "All right, logistics always yeah. wins, dude." It's all about get to the show, get to the fucking show. Hey, who, who's who's the bread and the butter of the show? Who's our interview this well, week? Well, we brother? got John Keevil, frontman for Warbringer. Hell yeah, uh, got a brand new album hitting stores Friday, March 31st. Woe to the Vanquished. Currently on tour in the UK with Havoc, Hex Mortis. What a fucking great show that would be. Havoc, Hex Mortis, and War. By the way. you have been doing nothing but jerking off that new havoc album like just jerking it off right into your mouth it's great conformicide right all over all your tits bro i I made you listen to it what'd you think i
3: loved it It it's fucking good bro. it was like it's very and by the way that was that was vulgar where you went with the tits right thing you didn't have to go there you got gorgeous tits these are not tits bro what Those are, are not they tits.
1: They're I don't know I are they gym. pectorals they're pectorals oh wow you're, that's confidence right there that's right that's confidence yeah you could have said bird <laughs> chest but no you're like they're pecs <laughs> I go to the gym what's going on I'll challenge anyone I'm to a between. push-up how contest how about
3: this I'm in between uh uh bird chest and and, and tits
1: yeah yeah exactly. I'm in between I just don't want one or the other and if any if any of you guys uh, meet Pete in person just challenge him to a plank contest and he will crush you what's that mean that's a it's an exercise for your abs Oh, oh, be- oh! I got asked. Goddamn, gotcha. you killed it! No, I you didn't fucking kill killed it. it. I'm sorry. Anyways, John Keevil John Keevil So we're gonna be talking with him in just a little bit. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Does a mean Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. They're and we did actually
3: hear. get to hear the new record, "Woe to the Vanquish. When we did the interview, we didn't have it at the time. Yeah, I bitched
1: about it. I bitched about <laughs> not did. being able to hear it, and then now between when we interviewed him and then with this, uh, this episode, so we're came gonna sell, out, Then we got the album. We're gonna sell like assholes a little yeah, bit. We're gonna exactly. complain about not hearing and then get the. Yeah, we're gonna go. Oh yeah, but I to- I do to- totally fully endorse the album
3: though. It's good. It's fucking good. It is dude uh, and and I always before I fully endorse an album, I got to live with it for like a week like Conformicide, I've been living with it for 2 weeks I'm I'm all over that shit mm-hmm. yeah. you know that that la- the new obituary it's just in my I want to just endorse it big time Friday I got the new Paul Bear man you know, there's a lot going on always, but uh, before I fully endorse it, like conform aside, I got to live with it for like a week or two. How long does it take for you to realize a record's like, hey, I'm going to listen to this five years from now? Uh,
1: there's a lot of
3: media thrown at us, dude. Weekly,
1: there is. I so got to listen to it. I got to listen to it two or three times because what I'll do that's is I'll it. Yeah. Because I listen to it, well, that's the thing. And then after two or three times, I get bored with it, and I want to move on to something else. Oh, you got that
3: ADHD. See, when a record's an hour long, I got to listen to it sectionally, like four songs at a time. I got to get that whole vibe. And then when I got all the songs down, um, then I listen to it in a whole thing, and it's a whole experience. But it takes me like a week to two weeks to really fucking— I don't know where you find the time to do that, though. I mean, you're a father, are you basically just saying... No, well, that's why I go to the gym. Like, you can talk all the shit you want, but the gym is like... you not talking shit. Oh, you're talking a little bit of shit about my bird chest tits. Right. But um, <laughs> that's, the gym is a fact. the golden hour of metal for me. Like, right. I want to be there an hour and a half a day so I can listen to an album uninterrupted or something like that. So I try to do it every single day just... For metal like mm-hmm. uh, and and the fact that there's some health benefits to it i guess is cool as well but dude it's 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 just um that's usually where i find the time because you know we're busy folks but anyways <clears throat> moving on let's talk some stories
0: bro i want to talk some stories. stories
3: so one of the, the the most interesting story to me is um uh, that, that they talked about this week was the uh there's a new band from australia called harlot um and uh the big question mark of if they're ripping off slayer now when songs sound exactly the same i think most of the time it's not plagiarism. It, it might be a, a sideways homage, or people don't know what's going on. Um, but what we did is we cut up a few bits. Now we'll get to the actual Harlot versus Slayer song after we do a few examples. Okay, is that fair? Yeah. For example, the first example we're going to play you guys is probably well known with you guys, but it's the uh, the song by Behemoth, Conquer All versus Anthrax's Be All End All. So go ahead and play. This is Behemoth. <laughs>
1: Feeling it. Good. Feeling it. Yeah. That songs to make love to.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Butt love. No. Whoa.
1: What? Just saying you want to go... You're asking me? <laughs> I'm not saying you and I. I'm saying... Hey, you do go. To I the feel gym. uncomfortable. You do go to the gym. <laughs> right? Just saying, you probably do some squats. All right, so that's Behemoth's uh, conquer
3: that's all. A great Serbian ass. This is uh, this is anthrax, dude. I'm fucking talking over you at this point, which is very <laughs> unprofessional on a radio show. But anyways, this is anthrax. Be all end. I'll hit it. Well, you got the intro. Intro. This is what you told me to get. Oh, it's true. I yeah, do. exactly. I but this every, is pretty close Every, every time my script is a little off You fucking blame me live on the show
1: Right Because <laughs> like, I'm doing what you're asking me Give to me do Give me credit for the script though No, blame. the script is great Thank you But you fucked up here Here you go Yeah, it's pretty close So and
3: this, this pretty one pretty
1: close This one to me is like exact Right so I'm not saying I'm never going to say a bad thing about behemoth or But Anthropics. again, though, like when you're messing around on a guitar and you all of a sudden just come across a certain sound on, you know, when you're doing your scales or whatever. Mm, and you're yeah. like, oh, OK, this is pretty cool. Like, I can understand why somebody would listen to this and go. Oh, do we get we got to make a song out of but this
3: is the same idea to a team. You know? But
1: it, unfortunately, though, we don't know if they rip this off or if they just did it. It's so easy. As a stand-up comic, you are a stand-up
3: comic. Yes. When someone tells your joke, the same joke you wrote, okay, right. and it's a little different, are you like, they ripped me off? But if you hear it verbatim, are you like, they stole it?
1: Where, where, where's the line crossed for Well, you? see, when it comes down to, like, somebody stealing, I mean, you'd have to, like, trace it back. Were they in a room? Were they watching you? You know, you're watching surveillance video, seeing seeing, like, when, what time they left their house. Let's trace this back, all right?
3: Behemoth, This is off a of Demigod, which, I mean, Slave Shall Serve is our opening oh, yeah, fucking but, in- intro. But Be so All End love... All
1: is like old. It's oh, well, like I, wait, and
3: Exactly. It's from, it's and from it's a classic movies. album. Exactly. So um, so can you say, hey, there's a way that Nurgle heard Be All End All? Absolutely.
1: Okay. So in this case, you would say if there's you were no way, there's no Scott Ian yeah. that Nurgle stole your riff. But my thing is, though, is there's no way they didn't hear this record. Mm-hmm. But I do think, like, subconsciously, it probably stuck in their crawl, and they didn't even realize it. You know? Okay, so as a comic, as a stand-up comic, when you go on stage and someone tells your joke,
3: if it's verbatim, you're like thief.
1: Well, what happens is, is I usually follow them home, mm-hmm. and then I beat them with a tire iron mm. to the point to where they can't talk anymore. When it's now the be, be all I'm, end all. I yeah, gotcha. now I'm the one who. Now I'm the only one who could tell that joke. So you conquer all. I conquer all. Oh that's wow! What See what I did there? That's, I what, used winners do. that's what winners Both song titles. It's a winners do.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, so that's one example where I feel that. I think it's it's very strongly if you went to a court of law, hey, this is plagiarism, you know, type of thing. Now there's these other examples where it's like people hear songs that sound like songs, right? And they're like, hey, they stole it, but it's like to me, it's not super close. So here's an example. This is a song by King. This is off their latest record, um, "Breathe in the Water." Go and play it.
1: All right. Nice bass drum there.
0: The
3: we need All right. Okay. So when when my beautiful, lovely lady heard this song in my car, she's like, "Hey, they're ripping off." What a an, shameless plug! Uh, another day. I know she's she's just gorgeous. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Dude, What did you do wrong? Like, say, like nothing. She doesn't even own? listen to the show. She doesn't <laughs> like metal. But anyways, so <laughs> it's just it's just in my heart. It's hard for me to say anything negative. Anyway, so this is what she said. It sounded exactly like. Go ahead and play. Let it play, let it play out. Let it play out. It's close.
0: Yeah.
3: You hear it? Yeah, yeah, I hear it. Okay. So she's like, hey, they, they stole Green Day's Hitchin' a Ride when I'm playing the King record in my car. And I'm like, wait a second. So I go back and I listen to it and I'm like, hmm. It's know? just close. It's close. They're it's both three-piece bands, yes. right? They're both, you know, so it's like I can see we're there. I'm like, there's no plagiarism there. That's just so, sort of like three-piece band. Well, that, kind whole, of a like, basic that whole like don't don't
1: don't 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 don't. you think that, there's a little bit there? Dude, I think every band has. I've, I've heard that bass riff a hundred times because it's a simple bass riff. From but that's what I'm
3: saying. That's also another factor, right? So, so to me, that's that's not full-blown plagiarism. Like Like a, a very popular example everybody was talking about was that song by Foo Fighter, Something or Nothing, where they do the Dio Holy Diver riff. Right. We don't have the audio for that, but I think a lot of people be familiar with that, right? To me, when I hear that song, I hear the Holy Diver riff in that bridge or whatever they But I don't doing. get angry. But it's, it, it, to me, it's like an homage, if anything, because the songs are so different. Well, like, this is just blatant. This is blatant to this you. Is yeah, blatant. I agree. This is This is why I use it as an example. I think it's exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, that's blatant. This is the like, same riff. Even though, yeah. So now it comes to what we're talking about, all right? So the, you got two ways to look at it. You got one that's obvious, all right? And then you got one that's like, hey, you can hear it and you can't hear it. Now, um, Harlot, it's an Australian band. Their new record's coming out pretty soon. Um, They talked about this track, The Pentinence. I can't ever say a word with this many syllables. Pentinent. Pentinent. Yeah. Pentinent. Pentinent. It's very easy. I just did it twice with no fuck-ups. Bro, I I don't know. I'm a pro. Anyways, The Pentinence. Go ahead and play that.
1: See, I would just think that was Slayer in general. I mean that. I mean, right? That's pretty close.
3: But is like that's the thing with thrash bands is like an you know, We could talk about how much I love Conformicide by Havoc all day long, but you can you can hear Megadeth, yeah. all through that fucking sound. So um, I'm just saying. So that's more like an homage. It's not. It's not saying it's like more of a, a rip off, right? But let's let's hear the the Slayer. I never thought I'd be playing a song off Diabolus and Musica on our show by Slayer, <laughs> but here we are doing it. So go ahead and play Bitter People. <laughs> The, the thing that I personally feel is not an homage is when you have the same lyrical kind of content and you scream it the same way. Now, Harlot, the lead vocalist, does sound very much like Tom Mariah. I mean, almost verbatim. They, they have the same voice. So that's always going to—it's a good thing and a bad thing because people are always going to be like, hey— you're and ripping that. him off. Yeah, no matter what this band his does. Is no way. matter what this band And does. back to the Havoc conversation. Like I said, he does sing in a Dave Mustaine type way. Right. Different voice a little bit, but, I mean, you're going to compare. And that's, that's always going to be tougher for newer bands, dude, to, like, get away from well, the I, idols. At some
1: point. What hasn't been done before? No, you know? and that point like, was about twenty five years and ago. And it's unfortunate because it's like now everybody's idea is what hasn't been done before? And then they go to use of something electronic. But when you're talking about like just straight bands, guitar, bass, drum. You know, where else can you go? Like, what hasn't been done? What hasn't every been done? mashup has been done? Like,
3: you can go with, like you said, electronic. You can go with like techno hardcore, and then you're like, oh, refuse did that with sound. You know, it's like every mashup has almost been done. There's got to be something out there that's not hasn't been done. Like, you know, some that probably shouldn't be done. I don't
1: know what. But that's what I'm y- getting. Ukulele at. metal. I mean, it's like I, I'm just saying. I have heard. In fact, there's actually a ukulele metal track, and it's kind of cool. This guy, he does, he plays Rain and Blood on a ukulele. It's oh, yeah. Pretty awesome.
3: That, no, I'm just saying it's all been, it,
1: but, it's all been done. But that's know. what I'm getting at.
3: You know, it's just where else can you go? But at what point, when you sound exactly like someone, do you make an effort to change that sound? What? Like you know, if you're singing exactly like Tom Mariah, or yeah. you're singing exactly like Dave Mustaine, or you're singing like James Hetfield, you know, I, I actually growing up, people used to tell me Pepper Keenan from CLC just sang just like James Hetfield. I would argue till. The end no he doesn't sing like him he sounds different and then it's like you you do listen to him closely and it's
1: like they almost do have the same well there's a cadence there's a you know there's a way they draw out certain words that sounds similar yeah but i mean the voice is different you can I still tell so. you could still tell it apart you know when people argue with you and then they just yeah. say to make you mad
0: yeah yeah yeah
3: <laughs> so, so, so anyway this is gonna things like this will be debated forever but the thing that i that i don't like Is that Harlots a new band? They're coming out. They're from Australia, right? And if they get this tagline on it, it's going to hurt them.
1: Oh, it's always going to hurt. It's always going
3: to hurt when people say you're not original.
1: Well, especially when. But if you're not original,
3: it should hurt. It it should
1: hurt. It should hurt. But again. What happens is, and especially in thrash, I mean, what else ca- can possibly be done where know, you're blowing man. fucking there brains? There were so
3: many thrash bands in, like, the 80s and, like, early... Like That's what i getting at. There was, like, so many bad ones. Like, we only know that uh, Overkills and Death Angels and Testaments, that survived, you know? And then even some great ones didn't survive. Like, Dark Angel didn't survive. That was one of the best thrash bands of all time to me. But all those sounds that they made, all these bands from the 80s, like, all these newer bands... like And, like I said, Warbringer, I think... Keevil's got a real distinctive voice. I think he's a great voice for Thrash right now, you know? I, and um, who else we got out there? Havoc out, uh, is just killing it, right? And then someone like Ex Mortis, and just to, I guess, promote that tour, it's like they're a little death thrash. I hear on their on their last album, I hear a little bit of carcass, you know? so or, or a little bit of carcass in his vocals and stuff like that. So it's like, it's just a different style, right? And all that stuff. So anyways, but uh, moving on. So moving on to the next story because this can be an argument for hours upon hours. You agree, Ben? Oh, dude, there's no end. There's no end to this argument for sure. I still I remember arguing that Behemoth didn't rip off Anthrax,
1: but then it's like the more you listen to it, you're. But the thing is, it's just because you love Behemoth. This is where this is where I'm at with it. Where you don't want to stifle anyone's creativity. I agree. And it's just maybe maybe that's just where their mindset is at. Is in that is in that is in that you know that. Slayer mold you know but you just got to break out and I'm sure if you listen to the rest of the record there's plenty and of I'm other gonna, songs that don't I'm, sound I'm, like Slayer's dude I like songs. what I, I, li- I like what I heard and from the song Harler. that we just played was good it, it just yeah, sounded
3: like Slayer I like what I heard from them. there's no doubt about it you know and like I said they're they're the bitter piece and I don't hate Diabolos and Musica but it's, it's their weakest record I think hands down not counting Undisputed Attitude I mean I think most people would say this is their weakest record so to say I don't know. To find that one, I guess, is kind of a, a little bit. I'm going to check it out, dude. Like I said, I'm just a, a proponent of, of thrash music, but there's a lot of bad thrash out there, you know, and the uh, the legends of the creators of Destructions, all these bands that are out there. It's hard for a new band well, thrash I'm sure, to sound different. That's well, what you're I'm saying sure it.
1: that Slayer has probably come out with a song that sounds similar to a band that came out after them. Yeah. I'm more than positive that's happened. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue.
3: But be, the thing but is, find I was, it.
1: But that's what I'm saying. But find it, sir. That's what I'm saying. No fake news here. I'm not saying no fake, fake news. news. Find it. I'm just letting you know if we looked hard enough, if we looked hard enough. Because again, Slayer I, isn't under the microscope. All these new bands that come out are, are under, under the, the microscope. microscope. Yeah. Slayer's already proven that they don't need to be underneath the microscope anymore. No, not at all. Yeah,
3: completely. So the next story, guys. Sorry, I, 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 a little segue there was whatever. Um, Tool. The band tool, which, you know, is amazing. But um, they're, they're finally going to consider and put their music on streaming websites like Apple Music, Spotify, Pandora, et cetera. They probably waited for the right time. They wait, And, that, and dude, that's what I think. I think if you don't need to put your money out when something's new, like in, in life, I always say this, in music especially, you never want to be first. You always want to be second, right? You always, If you come out with this new crazy sound,
1: nobody's going to get it. But the next band that does that sound is everybody's going to get it. Yeah, it's like the the band that comes out, that new crazy sound is like the bridge. And then yeah. the second band crosses over. And it's, now it's all of a sudden acceptable. Exactly. And so I think Tool waited out this
3: thing, you know. Um, a lot of bands did. A lot of bands did. Oh, well, the bands that didn't need the money from that. That's, that's I think a lot of these streaming ba- got these artists early is because it's like no we need
1: some sort of income well the reason why in, they got the yeah. artists isn't it because they went through the fucking artists and went it's through the label. record label yeah, and the, the record label fucked the artists the late well now now i think it's kind of uh it's the gap well, they're starting bridging. to realize well they're starting to realize that whoa we've screwed over too many great bands that yeah. are no longer here anymore True. So now we got to pull back, and we got to make sure that these guys get some compensation.
3: Yeah. So and now Tool coming into the game, do you think they're going to be able to present a very like a great streaming contract opposed to I don't know? Many what bands do you mean, perform- give me an example. Well, I don't know. Like streaming contracts sound awful. They're always like uh, point point one two three to the cent penny per stream, right? right? Something like that. And now you you got it all over the place where you got Xbox. Uh, Amazon, you know, Apple Music, Spotify—you got so many streaming websites that people listen to now. That um, you know, in a and then YouTube is the worst. I know that for paying thing, which is a, in a in a good way um, because people aren't going to steal the music like they used to. So in a way, streaming's killing the stealing. But they're not paying the artist property. So if Tool comes to Spotify and says, hey, you're going to put play us point, 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 one cent per stream, Spotify is going to say no. But they can probably find a middle ground where they will get most bang for their buck by waiting out. Because obviously the the people want Tool on Spotify. People want this band. They want to be able to pull up their, their classic albums and listen to them whenever they want. And a lot of people don't ha- like – or unlike me, they don't purchase CDs anymore. You don't you don't purchase CDs no. anymore. Yeah. You got Apple Music. You got Apple Music. So like um I, I still purchase, collect, and all that stuff, you know? So a lot of people I, I'm uh, a dinosaur in that fact. So a lot of people are gonna want to hear Tool and not be able to, right? So Tool has leverage, right, to get a better
1: deal. Well, than absolutely, most absolutely. Well, like here's the thing. I don't think when Taylor Swift, and it's funny though, we have to bring her up on Metal no. She, I, I, I know that, but uh, she was yeah. the one that pulled out a Spotify and was like, "Look, I'm tired of you guys, fucking me. You know what I mean? Like, I deserve like, look how many millions of hits I, I'm, I've given you, and I'm only getting like a hundred bucks. You need no. That's what. I, remember when
3: Lars got. Just lambasted dude, for Napster. Remember dude, back in the day, this is, and, and he, he was right. You need a dude, Taylor
1: Swift. You need a Lars from Metallica Lars, to Lars protect these little bands. Has been totally vindicated, hundred percent. And you know, and, and we all hated him. We all hated him when it. First
3: I remember happened. that video of him, like with all these old school like you remember the the printer with like the side paper like the little side punch holes that he had like boxes and boxes of like rat on people and we just oh fuck you Lars South Park made fun of them everybody right right?
1: and it's like now in 2017
3: you're like oh shit
1: Lars was right he said what Lars said is he he basically says like look you're gonna you're gonna end up screwing these artists over (laughs) the the quality of music is gonna go straight downhill Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what has happened I see I, I disagree on the quality. No 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 because here's the thing. This is this is what I, I think
3: the, the streaming services and all that stuff. When I was growing up, okay I never thought I would miss a great band. I can't because people will tell me I'll never miss a great band. Now I do. I feel like I'm missing great bands all over the place because there's so much media out there. And for me to actually have the time, like I said, it takes me a while to digest a record. I don't just listen to it once and throw it away. You know, I'll be like, let me, if it's a band I like, if it's somebody I don't know, I'll listen to it a few times and move on because I don't want to waste too much time. But now it's like I feel like I'm missing great bands all over the place, especially in like underground scenes, you know. We're back in the day even underground bands would reach me easily. Now it's harder. Because of Spotify, because Apple Music. Well, don't you think how many how There's many, too much media uh, But how me- many
1: great underground bands did you not hear because the lack of media? I mean, it's like you were missing probably so many. That's a good point. So it's like at one minute it's that I'll never know about. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. One this is this is the this is the rub. One minute they're throwing way too many bands at you, way too many, way too much music, and they're going, Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, and you're like, Look, I can't do it all. I can't do it all. So you know, now you know that you're missing bands. But before, people were just like, here, listen to this. And you could take your sweet time. Yeah. And then by the time you were done listening to that record, someone else will go, hey, by the way, check this out. Oh, okay. So you got to listen to it at your own pace. Now it's just shoved right in your face. It's, it's, it's just a right? snowstorm. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the media is so
3: much at you. And that's everything, you know, including podcasts and, and whatever. But with music, and that's another thing. And, and um, with music, though, that's th- – by having so much of it, people care less about it. That's what I'm getting at. And
1: that's what I don't like because, about the streaming that's, services. But that's, that's my only thing. That's what Mars was saying. It. We yeah. we are taking advantage of these artists create creativity. Yeah. And look at these guys, man. I mean, how many of these how many of these great bands, mm-hmm. great bands do do we do we talk to, do we interview that we've listened to for years that are still in a fucking van. Yeah. Not a tour bus. A van. A van. Yeah. You know, and it's just, and it's because of this. But and you've, like, I feel like,
3: like us, Metal Sucks, obviously, you know, they're doing their diligence pushing this stuff, you know, to be like, guys, listen, 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 listen. But... You know, people. You know, and that's that's what's great about the the media and the streaming services is that you have people that are really like pushing the right avenue, but it's so hard to to to, to listen to the media in all factions sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, so Tool might be getting a good win, um, and then uh, last story before we get to our interview with uh, with uh, John Keevil from yeah. Warbringer, sir. Um, is that bless the fall? Like I said, not a, not a, a superior metal band or anything like that. But they got robbed in Orlando, Florida, Florida, and uh, all their equipment and all that stuff. This is a constant thing, especially for younger bands. Um, is there any? How much money do you think people can get from stealing all that gear? And dude, how how
1: how hard is it to steal? Gear? Wouldn't that be tough to just run and rat? No, you get they 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 like basically people have
3: hit it up or do they
1: basically have a U-Haul and it's got one padlock
3: on it? No, I know, but I mean, gear's not like. You got to take ten trips. You can't grab like a
1: whole drum kit and run out, right? But I mean, what happens is is they see they see like a U-Haul or they see like one of those trailers in behind them, yeah. And then somebody else rolls up in a truck with a U-Haul and they're like, "Hey, just take it and go." I mean, it probably takes three minutes. And if they're doing it in the middle of the night or when they're doing it while everyone's setting up on stage, come on. But that's the thing is, like, I always thought the rule was to put your U-Haul back it up against like a, a brick
3: wall after you move your gear out. So nobody can even access it, right? So it's obviously in the open. Maybe there's not brick walls everywhere. So let me not Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's probably like I mean usually they're
1: parked out in front of someone's house.
3: Or, I mean, or not house, but you, I know what you're saying.
1: Yeah, no, that. dude. Some of these guys, they park all their their gear right out in front of someone's house, and then they're like, hey, I got a buddy who lives in San Antonio. He says oh, that we could crash on his floor. It beats sleeping in the fucking van.
3: And then and then they get robbed, man. Yeah. There's no deterrent, but that is
1: like the worst, man. It is so, the worst. I
3: mean, I just I just can't imagine. Like, because,
1: that's because humans are shitty.
3: Yeah, because you would have, like, I know people don't realize this, but if you were a guitar player, you're going to have this, like, real big connection with that guitar like hey i i got this guitar when i was 17 i toured around europe with it blah 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 and some dude's going to just snatch it right it's brutal man it's, it's like, like
1: and it's everything and and that guitar represents everything you are yeah and that's and that's why these that's why these crackhead methhead pieces of shit thieves that's why it's like oh i just i want to shoot them in the face cuz they're yeah. the worst types of people you don't understand what happens. Well, when that's you the take, thing, is, but You don't understand is, what happens when you take a guitar from a musician or a drummer or a drum kit from a musician. It could kill like, their career. It could kill their fucking their, career, especially they need at to this be motivated. point. Yeah. Especially at this point in their career. So uh, anyway, that's uh, not, no deterrence. Anyways, moving
3: on, my friend. Very good interview with our buddy John Kieval here from Warbringer. Let's uh, let's let's throw it out at you guys right now. The vanqu- woe to the vanquished comes out this Friday, guys. March thirty first. Preorder it as soon as you hear this on Monday. All right. And here's John Keeble.
1: Here we are, Metal Sucks podcast with John Keeble from Warbringer. Uh, He's got a brand new album, The Vanquish, coming out here March 31st. Woe to
3: the Vanquished.
1: Woe to the Vanquished. I wrote it down. I know you did. I know you did. Woe to the Vanquished. It's coming out March 31st, uh, 2017, obviously, of this year. Uh, Napalm Records. What's going on,
2: John? Hey, uh, what's up, guys? Just uh, just chilling at home, doing a slew of interviews. There's been a ton of press, and uh, we are just over a month from release currently as of the time of speaking here. And uh, looking forward to it. We've had the record all done and wrapped up since October, and uh, I, I'm really proud of it. So I'm just anxious to get it released and see what people think.
1: Dude, it's been done since October. Do, do you ever have to talk to people like, dude, can we, get, can we just get let it out now? Can we release it now, or, or is this nah. like part of of the par- part of the uh the the you know process
2: there there's a number of reasons for it and there's a whole like campaign and uh you know releasing stuff over time because warbringer's kind of been out of the scene for a while and we're kind of we're sort of making a comeback with this one so uh there's a whole strategy behind it and also it's based on when we actually have tours lined up and such too so we have to live in reality and unfortunately that means it comes out later than it possibly could have but uh we want it to be a strong release over a quick one
3: ah and awesome so patience the first single silhouettes uh it's, patience,
2: it's... young grasshopper <laughs> <laughs> uh
3: the first single silhouettes is, is a strong statement i mean you guys are coming back swinging uh and the, the lyrics are inspired by a detail find at hiroshima after the bomb right
2: Yes. Um, I thought this detail really terrifying. Uh, basically what happens is an ato- if an atomic bomb hits you, there's really going to be nothing left of you if you're anywhere near the blast. Um, but because of a strange like photon that's in an atomic blast wave that bleaches everything, this, this particle gets absorbed by human flesh. And thus um, – everything around where a person standing gets bleached, but not the place they were. So it leads to these shadows burned on the walls and, and ground behind where people were once standing, and that's all that's left of them. So it's a really spine-chilling and horrifying detail, and uh, it's just a weird thing, too, because in case everyone forgot, there's still fuckloads of nuclear weapons in the world, and uh, the Cold War ended, but nuclear weapons still exist, and as long as they do, this is a real threat that, uh, oh, yeah, all... You know, thousands of years of human civilization gone in seconds. That's the world we actually live in. You can't make up a more crazy apocalypse story than that. And it's not even made up.
1: Dude, I didn't realize this episode was going to be so educational. It's like, am I talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson over here? I mean, you got it, dude.
2: I would love to talk to him. I personally really admire him and uh, and sort of his uh, his inspiration. Carl Sagan are some of my favorite figures. And, uh, yeah, some of this kind of thinking comes from this. uh, For instance, uh, Carl Sagan's Who Speaks for Earth speech in the end of the original Cosmos. Watch it if you ever want to see something really powerful. And it's pretty much saying, hey, humankind, are we still are we going to work for these individual national interests that if you look at the planet from space just seems so petty and stupid they're not like they're not even real if you look at the planet from space with that perspective and uh but but yet we risk undoing everything good that our whole species has ever done because some idiot might press the button and look we got an idiot with the button right now oh <laughs> yeah. great yeah,
1: exactly, and uh, well, and on top of that too. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about other planets. I mean, I always thought we were we were flat. I thought this is pretty much the only world that we're living in. You know. That's right. Um, yeah,
2: God created the universe with the Earth as its center. And uh, fuck you, Galileo! Don't you say otherwise. <laughs> yeah,
1: eat all the dicks, Galileo. <laughs>
2: yeah, you suck it, Galileo. Listen to the dogma. <laughs>
3: So most of your inspiration from lyrics, though, do you find in a lot of these philosophies or is it more of a uh, – is it a sense of uh, – when you hear, like, say the riffs are put together, the the music's put together, do you find, like, kind of a sense of where you want to write the lyrics from that point?
2: Absolutely. Sometimes I have a lyric idea and I kind of wait for riffs to apply it to, such as the case for uh, The Song "Remain Violent, the title – basically existed before, and I'm just like, I need a hard-ass stomp riff for this song. And eventually I got one, and that became the song. And uh, other ones, uh, other ones more like Silhouettes, the riff existed first, and it sounded kind of like warped, and r- the, the main chaotic riff under the verse ex- was the first riff there. And it's a really kind of difficult riff to write around, so the, the drum beat and the vocal pattern are kind of weird in that song, and that's why I wanted to put it out, because it's a kind of unique track for that reason. Um, but this uh because of the sound of the riff it just made me think of like radioactivity and um the you know atomic blast waves and stuff and so we kind of wrote around that concept and also i wanted certain parts of the song to be hollow like uh like the spaces left by people and that's all the like breaks between the verses are kind of like that
1: mm-hmm. totally and the other, this is the new the new record is your first in four years. A lot of business and personal changes happened within the band. Is that, is that why it took a little bit?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, in short, the whole band uh, broke up before the Empire's Collapse, uh, the last record, was even released in 2013. We did one tour on it. We did a second tour with like a stopgap fill-in lineup that I had to put together because the original band left, and uh, then nothing so it was really straight up uh depressing and miserable period for me because i had spent my entire adult life playing metal doing this band we played uh like 250 300 shows a year for uh since 2000 from 2008 to like 2012 pretty much and uh, then it just all stops so i had I had no other thing in my life basically and this was it and I was happy with that but suddenly I didn't have it. So that was like one of the, that was one of the worst times ever and it took me forever to get it from there to here um and I'm really proud that I did um and I feel like it's a testament to just goddamn stubbornness um <laughs> but uh, okay, it, during this time, I had to rebuild the band lineup twice to get the one we have here. I put together a whole different lineup before the, the one of the Vanquished One, which I'm glad we didn't do the record with. For the, you know, It's better that it turned out this way by far. But just to get some spark of life in the band, I put together another Warbringer lineup in 2014, 2015 that did a few shows and then exploded in like six months because these young musicians we hired uh, basically didn't have what it takes to actually tour, Um, especially not to get a band that was kind of dead back off the ground. And so the problem is they left me hanging and we had a tour in beginning of 2016 with Enforcer Cauldron X Morris. It was already announced and like two months away and suddenly I had no band again. So this sucked. Um, And Carlos Cruz, fortunately, uh, like a week after this happened, Carlos Cruz contacted me. And it's the only way it worked out at all because we were only able to even pull that tour off with – if we pull off a tour – that we're announced for, when we haven't put out a record in three years and like we bail on an announced tour, like that's, we're, we're a dead band. No one's gonna work with us in the industry again. So if I wanna have the band, I have to pull this tour off. And um, so Carlos came in and because he knows all the songs, cause he was the drummer of Warbringer before, that's the only way we were able to pull it off. And we did this tour with uh, Jesse Sanchez, current bass player on bass and uh, and uh, Conan from Ex Mortis on guitar, and that's the last time I talked to you. Um, then, shortly after the tour, Chase Becker joined, because Conan was just filling in for that, just to save the tour, basically. And uh, then we had we started really beginning work on Wode of the Vanquished. Yeah. But you- yeah, it was it was a long frickin' journey, and it had many stages and many frustrations. Um, and I'm really glad it's over. And, uh, you know, let the record show that it ain't easy making heavy metal.
1: <laughs> Dude, I'm sure. Well, especially when it's when it comes to making that many people happy, you know, you got to make sure that everybody has the same mindset moving forward. And that was one question I wanted to ask. You were talking about young musicians that have never toured. How do you know when a musician can handle this burden before, you, t- you know?
2: In short, you don't. Right. Uh, our first drummer, Ryan Bates, bailed after three tours, which explains the, uh, the lineup shift from uh, first to second record, which would turned out to be really positive, because we got a much better, a much stronger drummer, Nick Ritter, on our second record. It really helped set the direction for uh, the music in subsequent records, I think. Um, so it turned out to be, sometimes these setbacks have turned out to be blessings, and I think... Uh, That's the attitude I try to take, because if I don't try to take a positive attitude, I think I go nuts. Uh, you
1: got to do it, especially when you're an artist. You have to make sure you stay headstrong and you stay positive. Is there a sense of stability now with you as an individual? And how important is that for the band moving forward?
2: Oh very because uh it's hard for me to be stable doing the band, which doesn't you know let's be real doesn't generate any uh real money uh yet we're i'd I'd like it too i think as it's we're a good enough bands that <laughs> we should at this point, but the reality of music today no and um. So move, I, I think, uh, though right now I'm, a, I'm engaged and I have like a, you know, I live with my fiance and life's pretty nice. And, uh, that really has helped me during like the last year before the record, we made the record and, uh, getting me into the place where I'm able to make the thing I really wanted to make. So, yeah, it's, uh, I went through a couple of years with extreme personal instability and, uh, it was really rough and really discouraging. And it's hard to feel confident and to be, you know, it almost was like a slap in the face sometimes when I'd hear things like, oh, you guys are the torchbearers of New Thrash. And I was working like this shitty freaking job. And like, you know, I had to move (laughs) back in with my parents. I had to move back in with my parents for like a damn, like the better part of a year. And so at at age, like in my late twenties after touring the world for five years, it it was a slap in the face and it was miserable. And I just felt so, so completely depressed about it and I'm really glad um, I, I wish I could show myself then where it ends up and I wouldn't have been as depressed at the time
1: right yeah t- and that's and that's one thing too like when you compare yourself then to now, like just watching the journey unfold it's so funny like what you think how you think things might turn out at that point in time and then here you are i mean it's like now you got a fiance you're sitting pretty you know you got a new album coming out you just you you your your whole day sounds like it's been nothing but interviews right
2: <laughs> yeah i'm uh i started uh, i started like three hours ago and i think i still have one i have to track down after this <laughs> well fuck that you're with us
1: now you're with us now <laughs> so uh
3: musically uh on the last record that you brought up empires clubs uh you guys did take some chances on that record um there was kind of a little bit of a, uh, a progression is this record follow that progression or are you just coming back like full thrash
2: um, yes, and well both. both. The the answer is what we're trying to achieve is both. And uh that's of course a little almost contradictory, but the way we do that is uh we pretty much have a side A of the record that's geared towards being as vicious and destructive as the most ruthless collection of Warburger songs you've ever heard, topping Waking into Nightmares on that front. And um then the second half is the most uh Diverse, progressive, experimental, darkly melodic uh, range of songs. And I think the second half and uh, where it goes gains more power after the first, the way it's set up. And it really makes the record into a journey. And uh, I-, I think if uh, if there were songs like Shellfire on track seven or eight, it wouldn't carry the same weight that uh, the songs that are there do. Um, and so I-, I just wanted to make a complete record the way I, you know, and this is, this sounds very ambitious, but the way I hear, you know, Rain in Blood or Master of Puppets or Led Zeppelin for honestly, like if you're going to make music, go for the absolute best thing. Aim for that. Take notes on what makes it so damn good, and try to apply whatever lessons you can gain from it to your own work.
3: Uh, I, yeah, for sure. And then I did notice there was the the track listing. There's eight songs on the record. I mean, is there longer songs? Do you guys kind of have an epic song on there, or is it? oh you
2: guys of, haven't heard it yes no we
3: haven't I'm I, I'm 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 no, sad about it to be honest have it
2: at this point uh, most people haven't heard the record now but uh, some journalists I'm talking to have so I'm starting to get some feedback what, what the
1: fuck? fuck I'm gonna send something to your publicist <laughs> <Exactly.
2: laughs> you guys are a major publication you yeah. should
1: have it I'm gonna make sure I send them a box of my pubes like Stop this it. is what I think <laughs>
2: they'll, they'll really uh, they'll like their new uh, their new radio guys a lot then
3: <laughs> that's funny so there is an epic song on there
2: yes uh there's a freaking 11 minute song on the uh, at the I end of the hoping. record when the guns fell silent um and i'll talk about that for a minute because it's something it's something uh it's something new for the uh the band
3: oh yeah so yeah it's, so uh,
2: basic. oh yeah you, you go ahead no, you sorry mean.
3: about that no so so you got the 11 minute it's a closing track you said
2: yeah, and uh, we only have eight songs on this record because we wanted each and every song to be like vitally important and uh, and just all killer zero filler, all of that. So uh, eight songs. The running time is about the same as our previous records, but I think uh, I think the consistency of it is much higher throughout i think that uh i think you could pick a lot of those side b tracks from this one and they'd be highlights on our previous record so i'm really proud of that consistency and thoroughness to the writing um and i think the best song personally is saved for last um and it's this 11 minute when the guns fell silent and uh it's not really a burning thrashing track we've done by the time this song happened we've done a lot of that on the record and uh, here it kind of settles into this gray, foggy mist and uh, the imagery of, uh, of the old World War One Western Front, you know, the desolation and barbed wire and uh, just a sort of spiritual uh sadness and destruction that takes place from that and i drew upon a lot of like old literature uh, old war poets like siegfried sassoon and uh, gilbert Frankow. there's a narration of the sassoon poem at the beginning and it's very sad bitter material written in this romantic language but expressing just the deepest themes of, of loss and having seen like you, you know you see the first wave go over the top at 7 30 and they they take 85% casualties and get nowhere, and then the next one goes half an hour later, and they, they see what happens to the first wave, and they still go, and then the third, and then the fourth, and then the ba- that's day one day of a four month battle, you know, and that's one battle of a four year war, and the scope of it when I look at it is uh, soul crushingly titanic, and uh, there's a sadness that. Uh, that like you almost can't express when you really start to understand what happened in, in this time and, and other such times in history. So uh, I really want the music to capture and express this feeling over the specifics of the event. I want it to capture the emotion of what that feels like and what that means for humankind and uh, it, you know and, and how uh, and kind of how sad it is that a lot of this stuff is forgotten and ultimately people live their lives as if it never happened.
1: Right. And history is something that you're obviously not only well versed in, but you're very passionate about. When do you think was the best time to be alive?
2: Obviously, times of peace. um, Over times of war, obviously, it would be somewhere in the modern era, probably um, in certain countries. I mean, today, basically, if I mean, today, but with a big asterisk that says if you are well off financially in a first world country, then today's the best time to be alive. However, that asterisk does not apply to most of the world's population. So take it with a grain of salt.
1: Right, right. So if you got some if you got some zeros in the bank account, you're all right. But uh, if not yeah, I agree completely up. yeah I think
3: <laughs> I think that this is probably the best time the most open time but you have to have that advantage See yeah, I don't
1: know work. I look at I think sometime like like uh maybe the the late 70s I mean there wasn't really war during the 80s I mean there were some conflicts but I wouldn't call it full on war I just think the internet is the biggest poison is the biggest, the most poisonous thing to ever hit mankind. And I think that's what's causing so much conflict and so much chaos. We work at metalsucks.net. You're yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: I, I know. Yeah. I was about to say, look at this garbage we're polluting the world <laughs> right
1: now. But you, um, know, but you know what I'm saying? I'm just talking about there's so – but with the internet, though, like you, you, you got this whole thing with like fake news. Like nobody knows what real news is. We were just talking about the flat earthers. I mean it's like now that there's so many people that have a belief in it, Other people look at that and go, "Well, these people believe that this is real, then it's obviously real, and then it's not." You know? Do you feel it's in times like these, like
3: it's really hard to be subjective, or do you think people are just pretty much um, living and believing by their own egos? Does that make
2: sense? I think. uh, Well, you said it's really hard to be subjective. I think it's really easy to be subjective, Mm -hmm. and I think the problem is too much subjectivity and not enough objectivity. Yeah, it's now on one hand, here's the problem with objectivity. I believe fundamentally in objective reality and that there is in any situation an objective truth. The the real question mark is knowing it. And the problem is when you have uh, power structures and societies and things like that, which we do, um, is that the people at the top um, will assign an objective truth and that whether that is or is not right it is the law, and uh, that's a problem that we have as people: um, is is finding. Uh, you know, we we need an objective truth, but how do we find it? And how? And if we get it wrong, it can be very bad. To um, so the other side of that, though, you can't just have a world with like no standards, no nothing, where any kind of behavior. You, you know, some of the. The bad side, I think, to the mostly good um, liberal civil rights movement that brought about, say, like, you know, I I think I think gay rights is going to the gay rights movement of the 2000s is probably going to go down. Like, kids are going to read that about that in the history books next to Martin Luther King, Jr. And Gandhi and those types. Um, It's going to be seen in the future as a human rights victory the same way civil rights or women's suffrage is today. Um, However, I think. With the, like this uh, movement, you know, the far left, I think, has some ideas that are just, you know, go beyond acceptance and universal humanitarian principles, and go into this uh, breakdown of ethical standards, where you're supposed to celebrate like any lifestyle, no matter what it is, just because. They are that way. And I, I think like, well, no, there is such a thing as good and bad people, and there is honorable and dishonorable behavior. And though it's great how societies have become more open-minded in some ways, we shouldn't cease to think critically about what we're doing and what we're saying and what uh, and what things we fill our minds with, I guess.
1: Do you think 100 years from now that history will be fake news? Do you think 100 years from now that history will be filled with uh, fake news and half truths? When people look back on this When the people look back on us
2: it's really impossible for me to look into the future. I'm not Nostradamus. I'm just a guy who. Uh,
1: I'm just who, a dude.
2: <laughs> I, I, well, I am. I'm a guy who yells into a microphone, literally. But uh, it's so, you, you know, I, and I'm studying to be a professor. I'm not yet. If you want to talk to a historian, there are accredited people who know more than I do. I'm working on it. Um, but I, I think. Uh, I think that right now, the real tragedy of news is that you can get a story, like you mentioned with Flat Earth or anti vaxxers, you can get a story that supports that and claims to have facts. And therefore, you can, li- you know, the the internet and the prevalence of media where whatever story you want to hear, you can go and hear it. Um, that's the dangerous part. Where, um, you know, subject, just like I was talking about, subjectivity uh, is too strong and people give too much credit to subjectivity. Um, You know, there is a validity to, you know, each person experiences reality differently. But I counter to that. There's seven billion of us and no one of us is really that important that we dictate fucking reality. Reality is bigger than us, not the other way around. Um, you know, and I think we that's like a real get real thing that modern society needs to tell itself. Um, when you have things like, you know, the Bowling Green massacre or something and the government, the White House, the highest freaking authority in the country is making shit up. That's that's just weird and scary and positively Orwellian. You know, it's a it's a not just in a, um it's deeper than just that they said something stupid, which is kind of the innocent ha-ha part about it. But the, the real thing that's scary about it is if we have a world where the highest authority can just make shit up and disregard facts, what's the next step? Where does that lead? And that's where it gets dark.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, we actually met you on uh, on our other podcast, Rise to Offend, and you uh you did a great Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. We were very impressed. And uh, now, if Tim Lambesis asked you to guess voice on Austrian Death Machine, what would you say?
2: Um, I'd do it.
1: Right? On. <laughs> <laughs> would you Would you be able to look past all the stuff that he did and just be like, "Whatever, man. You know what? Uh, you were just in a bad place."
2: Uh, well, you know, I, I I don't think I would go out of my way to be too buddy buddy. I'd have. They're
1: to... <laughs> <laughs> uh... like, but yeah. Look, well, I, I in a I different love studio.
2: And uh, I actually I love some of the stuff he's. You know, he's used his celebrity to speak out on some pretty legitimate things about the current administration, and I pretty much agree with what he's saying about it. <coughs> and you know, which is critical. And um, I, I just I, and I just love his movies and Conan the is my favorite one. So, uh, yeah, I would gladly do an Arnold impersonation on record if given the platform.
3: <laughs> so let, let let's stay with Arnold here. So if James Cameron was to make another turn, Terminator, do you think uh, Arnold should uh, return? Or do you think it's time to retire?
2: Now, when I talk about how much I love stuff like Terminator or Conan or fuck, like Rain and Blood, Master of Puppets, um, I'm not talking about that I need that thing to exist and be remade in the present. I just love it. And that's all it is. So I don't really even, you know, I would... I would go and see a new Terminator. I'd go see a new Conan, but I wouldn't be holding my breath. There's something about like the or- the original Conan that they're they're just not going to make them a two and a half hour movie with ten minutes of dialogue again, you know, and all music carrying it. There's something about it that makes it feel so primordial that makes it special. That because things are, you know, we have like twenty five million dollar budget movies with like a computer making, you know, like a skeleton dragon or whatever. Um, you know fantastical shit that you know and you see all like in every battle scene isn't is now like armies the, the stretch of the horizon and it's just like for granted and nothing special anymore because everyone has everything in their movies and uh back then like the battle at the end of conan is like 20 guys and it's way more epic than like the battle scene in the hobbit you know yeah um because <laughs> because they, they knew how to build it up um and you know the traps and everything was actually memorable is actually believable and uh they got the blood running because of that uh literally (laughs) um so let me, uh, with that in mind, too, let me say that uh, dialogue, too, seems in many action-focused movies today seems to me an afterthought. And a lot of the old uh, movies used to have these great lines. Aliens has great writing. Uh, T2 has, like, so many memorable one-liners. Conan has, like, powerful philosophical stuff in it. And uh, and then some that's just barbaric awesomeness. Uh, let me then, since we are uh, – I'm just gonna go off the cuff and quote some Do my Arnold's impersonation for you guys because I know you love it. Oh, yes. I love it. So, uh, you know how I mentioned the battle scene at the end of Killer and everyone knows crush your enemies, uh, you know, uh, all that quote. But let me do uh, another great line from that film. Traum, I have never prayed for to you before. I have no tongue for it. No one will know why we fought or why we died. If we were good men or bad, no. None of that matters now. Valor pleases you, Krom. So grant me this, this one request. Grant me revenge. And if you do not listen, then hell with you.
1: <laughs> right there. Yes. Yeah, that's
2: one of my favorites. Yes. I, I, I plugged a few words there. I know that wasn't 100%, but that's the essence of it. And uh, I freaking love that bit. because, yeah.
1: You know what's funny? Hey, I didn't God, even realize.
2: If you, if, hey, gods, if you exist, help me now. And if you don't, Fuck off! Yeah, right.
1: I, I didn't even realize how close Major League was to Conan. Remember the part where he told Joe Boo to go fuck off? You know what I mean? He's like, "Fuck you, Joe Boo. I'll do it myself." And it's pretty I, I much know the that. same I thing. From a
2: film oh, boss, you then. never
1: see Major League? It's a good one, brother. All right, you we got might
2: be lurking in the chasms of my memory somewhere, but it's, I can't bring it up now.
1: <laughs> oh, dude. Okay, so uh, one last question here: You're going to tour all through your, Europe with Havoc and Ex Exmortis, uh, just a few West Coast states here in the states. Uh, any plan on a full U.S. tour?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's looking like there'll be one in May and uh, probably another one in the fall.
1: Excellent, Excellent man. Excellent, dude. Well, look, guys, uh, it's very important for you to go pick up the new Warbringer album, Woe to the Vanquished," coming out March 31st, uh, thanks to Napalm Records. John Keeble, dude, thank you so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. We really appreciate you.
2: Hey, thanks for having me man. Uh, metal does not suck. And, uh, I will uh, <laughs> sign off with that. I, I uh, heavy metal rules and it, uh, it needs, uh, it needs the support of all press fans. You know, you guys, such as you guys. So I'm just, I'm just making a joke. Um, <laughs> but,
0: uh,
2: <laughs> obviously no one there thinks that either you wouldn't do what you do. Um, it's, it's just, uh, I think it needs the support of all press fans. Um, Old bands in the industry bringing support to new ones, and uh, and everything to just conti- make this uh, this genre of music, which is one of the sweetest things that 20th century Western music came up with, if you want to talk about it like that, um, keep it going into the 21st century, where especially music is getting more and more soulless. We need some of the sheer fire and power of heavy metal to to mix it up and bring all of music back to what it's you know to the real passion that we're supposed to be seeing from it.
1: Dude, thank you so much, Thanks John. We job, really man. appreciate that those closing words. Thank you, brother.
2: Bye bye.
0: podcast.
1: John keevil Warbringer, his new album. Schwarzenegger
3: impersonation.
1: Yeah. I mean, was it not fucking spot on? I, it again? Was, It's <laughs> very good, dude. <laughs> it's
3: very good. It's like, dude, that's not, that's like that's like an audition memorization
1: yeah. for him to hit it up like that. Dude, he is like uh, he's like a smart dude too, like <laughs> super book, smart, like book smart.
3: Yeah, I remember when I was I remember last time uh, last I interviewed him before, and I remember like he was just talking to me because he's gonna be. I think his plan is to be a history professor as well as do the band. And uh, dude, just knows his shit, man. So he's a, a real fun dude to listen to, even and especially if you go down the metal ra- metal rabbit hole with him. But anyways, the songs we just played, so people know. First one, Silhouettes off the new record, Woe to the Vanquish. Second one, Remain Violent. Uh, both songs are great uh I, i'm telling you guys this, this is definitely a record you want to check out or pick up as soon as
1: you can but uh that does it for this week's uh episode my friend metal sucks podcast well once again want to thank john kievel from warbringer get that new album woe to the vanquish coming out this friday march 31st gonna be on tour in the uk with havoc and next mortis uh well that's pretty much it for the metal sucks podcast we'll see you guys next week see ya the metal sucks podcast is signing off